hundred different ways tonight. I got a lot of stuff rolling around in me. <laughs> Hallelujah. Wanted to talk on prayer really much. And I wanted to, you know, and I was getting pulled a lot of different directions today. But I set out and purposed in my heart uh, when Pastor and I talked about this, that tonight, and I believe this is how God really does want me to go, that we needed to make a CD in the church on the sovereignty of God so that we could uh, offer that to people when they had questions we would have something to give them and then and I and I really I don't believe that we've ever taught on the sovereignty of God we got a problem <laughs> just a small one hallelujah do you want me to stop or keep going just keep on going okay hallelujah well I don't know what the problem is but they'll solve it hallelujah but anyway I don't believe that we've ever specifically did a whole teaching on the sovereignty of God but we've incorporated it in to a lot of other teachings and so I know that you know a lot about it already the ones of you that have been here a long time at least and so but so for those of you that are new here or for those of you that maybe just didn't hit that service you know sometimes you can miss something just because you was on vacation that week and so this will be good for us it'll be good for all of us in our foundation because sometimes we know something's true but we don't know why it's true we couldn't turn anybody to scriptures or anything like that and then it'll also be good to have a, a CD. We give out a lot of CDs. That's a, something we do is we sow seed all over the nation uh, in the form of CDs. We send, you know, different people call here for different reasons. Sometimes we know people from back uh, when we pastored before. We've had opportunity to sow seeds into their lives recently. They called us and asked us for advice on what to teach in a class at the First United Methodist Church in uh, uh, Seminole, Texas. One of them has started going there and wanted to know what we should teach. What would you start with? And so Pastor and I told them to start with spirit, soul, and body. Hallelujah. And what else? We told them something else. I don't know. We gave them two ideas of things to start with. And so uh, sent them some CDs on spirit, soul, and body so they, they'd have uh, something to work with. Actually, I don't think we ever taught that while we pastored there, so they probably needed to know it themselves. <laughs> Hallelujah. Um, I don't think we really did, you know, uh, actually teach teach on that. Praise God. But there's God's doing a lot of things in the earth today. Do y'all know that? So we have an opportunity as church to sow financial seed. We just sowed some money into Pastor Avery to go to Russia as a church. Not just me and Pastor, but as a church. Hallelujah. He's going to Russia in a couple of weeks, or I think this week. I think he left this week. Yeah. And so we, we were able to sow some seed, and he always takes it over there and sows it in to pastors and I just don't think there's any better place or any better ground to sow it into in the mission field is than to give it to homeland pastors hallelujah and he usually gives every pastor a hundred dollars and then so we've got we have we have opportunities to sow and we are actually feeding a lot of people that really either don't have a good church in their town or they hadn't found it yet you know one or the other and uh, so we're feeding some people by sending them CDs all the time and then we send CDs to people sometimes in our own church that have uh, uh, reasons that they can't get their health reasons or whatever where they <clears throat> just cannot get to church so tonight we'll talk about the sovereignty of God and let's turn over to first Timothy chapter 1 verse 17 hallelujah I really love this verse first Timothy 1 17 I've always really been stirred up by this verse it's so powerful this is a powerful verse 
Are you there? I hear turning. It says, Now unto the King, eternal, immortal, invisible, the only wise God, be honor and glory forever and ever. Amen. Let's read it again. Now unto the King, eternal, immortal, invisible, the only wise God, be honor and glory forever and ever. Amen. In the Weymouth translation, it says about the same, but a little different. It says, Now to the immortal, invisible, and eternal King, who alone is God, be honor and glory forever and ever. Amen. In the Weist translation, it says, Now to the King of the ages, the incorruptible, invisible, unique God, be honor and glory forever and ever. Amen. I like the way that verse reads there in the Weist. The, the unique God. Unique God. The King of the ages. Hallelujah. Incorruptible. Turn over to Revelation chapter 19. Thank you, Lord. Revelation 19 verse 6. And I heard, as it were, the voice of a great multitude, and as the voice of many waters, and as the voice of mighty thundering, saying, Alleluia, for the Lord God omnipotent reigneth. The Lord God omnipotent reigneth. Omnipotent there means all ruling, all ruling, all powerful. In the dictionary, the word omnipotent means almighty. It means virtually unlimited authority or influence. So we know God is omnipotent, all ruling. Hallelujah. And we know He's all those other things that Timothy said He was. Praise God. Or that Paul wrote to Timothy. Hallelujah. Praise God. Oh, God's so good, isn't He? We know also that God is omnipresent. Now that word, I looked it up in the Webster's Dictionary and it said that word was actually invented. You know, people invent words. We still have words being invented, you know. There's new words that come on the scene. This one was invented in 1609. It's not a very old word. It's, it means present in all places at all times. So we sometimes hear that God is omnipresent, and He is. Present in all places at all times. And then omniscient. Y'all ever heard that word? I said that God is, that God is uh, omnipotent omnipresent and omniscient hallelujah and that was that word was coined in 1604 and it means having infinite awareness understanding and insight possessing universal or complete knowledge and we know that's true of our god that he possesses universal and complete knowledge he absolutely knows everything. Everything that ever was, everything that ever will be, and everything that is now. And He has infinite awareness. He, he knows everything about us. He knows the why we think the way we think. Why we do... He knows things about us. We don't have a clue what, about us. Hallelujah. He knows. He's all-knowing. He knows just exactly what makes you tick. Hallelujah. He knows what makes me tick. You know, He knows how to uh, get revelation to me. He knows how to get it to me so that I'll understand it. 
Hallelujah. He knows how to, he knows how to uh, minister healing to me so I can receive it. So I'll know how and, and get it. Because I might not could get it the way you get it. And I believe that's why God has all these different ministers. Because I tell you, there's ministers. Now, I really love all ministers, all preachers. I love ministers. I do. I have a respect for them. I love them. I just, ever for, all, for a long time, I've just had this love and respect for ministers. But I don't even like to listen to all of them. And that's that's okay because because you know that's why God has different ones because I mean it's just whatever whatever lights your fire, whatever uh you know, whatever makes you tick, whatever gets you going. Hallelujah. So he has different people. And some people uh I'm just like, how do you listen to that? I think, you know, not because they're teaching anything bad. Now some of them I don't want to listen to cuz even though I still respect them for giving their lives to God, but I don't like what they're saying. I don't agree. That's not that's not what my Bible says, you know. But we can still respect them that they've given their life to God and they're so in their lives and they're they're walking in the life they have. Hallelujah. But you know, there's some we we may not want to listen to that and put that in our heart. And so uh and Christians, I tell you we need to love all Christians and I do and I know you do. If they're born again, I love them and I appreciate them and I thank God for them. And I tell you what they're walking in the light they have and, and uh just like you were and just like you are now. And you know, I'm thanking God that there's not people uh up there somewhere, you know, brother Copeland's not sitting there. Well, he don't even know us, but let me think of some Pastor Buzzy. He's not sitting there and saying, "Man, I just can't stand the Billings because man, they're just so ignorant." You know, I'm. So, you know, he knows that we're walking in the light we have. Hallelujah! And so he appreciates us, and we appreciate uh, people that you know are in other churches. And I tell you what, God is. You know, there's a scripture where it talks about evangelists. Uh, that God has given apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers until we all come into the unity of the faith, until we all come into the knowledge of the Son of God. And I read recently a man say how God is, that he travels all over the nation preaching in all different kinds of church. And he's noticed that that's a work that God is doing in these days and that in nearly every church he's going to, they're getting on the same page. You know, we used to, 15 years ago, really stand out as a church because we sang praise songs. We were kind of weird, but, you know, we went to uh, Northport Church of God Sunday night to hear Perry Stone. I was just, I loved Perry Stone, but I was so disappointed because I went, I wanted to sing, I wanted to sing, I, I wanted to sing Holy Ghost, old-time gospel and they were singing what we sing. And I'm like, I wanted to hear, I wanted to sing just over in the glory land. And, and uh, I wanted to sing like the Pentecostals sing. And I wanted to hear a Pentecostal piano player, which I totally adore. Hallelujah. But they, you see, they, and I'm like, so now it's like, I told Pastor, I said, we don't stick out anymore. They're sing, they sing songs that we ought to, actually, I wrote down some of the songs that they're singing. I'm like, we need to be singing that. You know, they, they, so they had that kind of praise and worship. Hallelujah. And they were saying the same things. Now, I tell you what, this is something. Now, I was pretty amazed about this. Of course, Perry Stone preached on America and the, 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 the oh, oh, what bad trouble America's in. Hallelujah. And but then he wound it up with what the blessing, what God's going to do in the church. And it was really glorious. But I want to tell you something. 
when the church of God starts preaching prosperity, and they were, he was preaching prosperity, the wealth of the wicked stored up for the righteous in the church of God. And I said, my Lord Jesus, you are coming back soon. Hallelujah. When they preach on that in the church of God. And I'm telling you, they, and I'm just wanting y'all to start standing. Those people got up and started standing up and shouting about it. I think we've been hearing it so long, we're numb to it. And they got, boy, I tell you, they was a shouting. Hallelujah. Ooh, hallelujah. And it was crowded in that, that church that night. Anyway, I heard that Perry Stone, I think the pastor said he saw written down somewhere that he's coming back April 28th for camp meeting. So you might want to go because it was, it was really awesome. Hallelujah. <clears throat> So, anyway, going on now to what we were going to talk about, Rev. I just, I just get excited about that stuff. So, anyway, um, we all agree on these scriptures. Hallelujah! We're excited about them. I tell you, we really would never, in any way, want to take away from God or disrespect Him or disrespect His Word, or add to His Word, or take away anything from His Word. And so, you know, uh, and a lot of times um, people misunderstand when you say God is, God is not sovereign. And they think that when we say that, and I think sometimes, because in every teaching, you know, you don't always have time to explain the whole picture. You can't always preach from Genesis to Revelation. Hallelujah. And so um, they, sometimes people misunderstand and think that, that maybe that people that say that are trying to make man above God. And we certainly would not even dream to think that we were anything above God or anything even close except that what Jesus Christ has made us. And then sometimes people might think you were disrespecting God. And we certainly would never want to disrespect Him. When you disrespect God, you grieve the Holy Ghost. When you grieve the Holy Ghost, the anointing kind of goes away, you know. And I'm not talking about He leaves us from the inside, but the, those that anointing that, that's there to flow in won't be there to the degree it would be. No, we respect God's Word. and We don't want to take away from it. So let's talk about tonight the definition of sovereign. And sovereign means... um. One possessing, now this is a, a dictionary information from about sovereign. One possessing or held to sovereignty. One that exercises supreme authority within a limited sphere. An acknowledged leader or independent, it can mean independent, as in the United States is a sovereign nation. It can mean a monarch like you hear somebody say a sovereign to mean a monarch. And that is someone who is over something. And, and a monarch is independent, makes laws and changes laws at their will. It's really, can, a monarch is like a dictator. Uh, they don't answer to anyone. I don't think God wanted to be known as a dictator. And I think that might be one reason that he set up, uh, this, the, he set up these things to work like they do. So uh, we know that God is the supreme ruler of the universe um, and everything else that exists, whether known or unknown, He is in authority over it, that He is Almighty God, and we know that He is independent and that God does not answer to man or to any other being, angel or demon. We know that God... Um, uh, 
in a universal scheme of things, calls the shots. But none of these things that we know and we have said there means that God controls everything. Religion has taken the word sovereign and made it to mean something that the Bible does not teach. You might hear things like, God causes all things, whether they're good or bad. And that is religion, that's not Bible. It, sometimes religion will say, and anything that happens has to be God's will because nothing can happen unless God allows it. That's, the, that's not Bible, that's religion. You may hear something like, God controls everything. You've, you actually see bumper stickers that say that. God is in control. Our act, the religion says our actions are irrelevant because God is in control. They, religion will also say, what will be, will be, according to God's plan. God has a plan, whatever he, what will be, will be. Hallelujah. Religion says nothing can happen unless God wills it or allows it. And religion also says God has willed everything that has ever happened in your life. You know, I was uh, listening to Andrew Womack one day, and he was talking on some things similar to this. And he said the sovereignty of God teaching, as religion has taught it, is the worst doctrine in the church today. The sovereignty of God teaching, like we just described it there, is a real faith killer. It just kills your faith. It all, it, You know, I think one reason we buy into it is because... When you tell somebody that's just had a car wreck or something, oh, don't worry, God is in control, there's a temporary comfort to that. There's a, at first, there's a comfort to it. God's in control. And so you go, you kind of settle back and say, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You kind of get out of your panic and, and say, and you, you feel better for a few moments about that. But it's a temporary comfort. The sovereignty of God teaching, like we just described it, slanders God. It makes him a baby killer. It makes him responsible for tornadoes, hailstorms, home destruction, marriage destruction. Uh, oh, and we could go on and on. It hinders our trust in God. It leads to passiveness in the body of Christ. It is a bad, bad witness to unbelievers. I mean, you think about, well, you tell somebody, you know, well, you know, it was just God's will, and you know, that my little daughter die. And you think people don't say that, but they do. We were watching uh, the news the other night at 10 o'clock, and they, you know, they had somebody on there from Birmingham, a man and his wife, and they had a little toddler, looked about the size of Andrew, and the little toddler had leukemia. And they said, we, and this, this father said, I just, we just don't know why that God has chosen us. No, she, he didn't say us. He said that God has chosen this little kid, whatever his name was. We just don't know why God has chosen him. Oh my gosh, you think about how unbelievers look at that. I mean, you know, sometimes unbelievers are even smart enough to know that, you know, mm. Hallelujah. And a lot of people are really, really mad at God right now because they believe God took their son or their daughter or allowed their baby to die or whatever. So it's a really bad witness. It's the major cause. And I say this, I don't know 
if anybody else says it, but I believe this, that the, this sovereignty of God teaching that's very prevalent in the body of Christ is a major cause of prayerlessness in the church today. When you believe in that religious sort of sovereignty, you don't know what to pray because it might not be God's will. You, you, you're all, and when you do pray, you pray prayers like, well, God, if it be thy will, because you really don't know if it's his will to heal you. You don't really know if it's his will, will to get you out of debt. You don't really know. So you tag on the end of every prayer, if it be God's will. And since that's not faith, because faith begins where the will of God is known. You can't have faith for anything you don't know is God's will. So since you, then you don't get your prayers answered, which causes you further not to trust and believe in God. And you just are growing further and further uh, from the truth because of this doctrine. And you don't pray because you don't know if your prayers will change anything. In fact, you kind of figure they probably won't. And I think most Christians in the church today believe that their prayers probably wouldn't change anything. And I think that's why they don't pray for uh, our nation, don't pray for our government, don't pray for leaders. I really wanted to talk about all that because I really believe your prayers will change things. Will I believe we have assignments in those things to pray. And um, But I won't go into that tonight, maybe another time. But... Uh, we don't, I think the body of Christ has not prayed because they didn't really think it would change anything. They didn't really think it would do anything. And so they didn't pray. And when we don't pray, things go from bad to worse. And next year they'll be worse than that. And the next year will be worse than that because the church has not risen up to the place, hallelujah, in prayer that it, it is supposed to. And we already said this, but I'll say it again. It is the cause of Christians putting that phrase, if it be thy will, on the end of every prayer. Did you know that the word sovereign is not in the King James Bible? It's not in there. You can't find it. But in the New International Version, it's 303 times in the Old Testament. And it's four times in the New Testament, in the NIV. Now, I used to carry an NIV Bible. In fact, in fact, I think I've carried all, nearly all of them at one time. So, I mean, I think when I started out, you know, I read the uh, uh, Revised Standard Version. People say that's the Catholic Bible. That's, that's how it's rated. If you look at the ratings of Bibles, they say that's the Catholic Bible. Uh, the NIV, if you look at the rating of the NIV Bible, it's called the Moderate Bible. You know, the moderate is, to me, is like Jesus said, you're either hot or cold. I mean, be either hot or cold, but if you're lukewarm, I'm going to spit you out of my mouth. I, now, I like the NIV on some verses, like Jeremiah 29, 11 is awesome in the NIV. There's a few, there's other places where it is an awesome translation on those things. But there's also lots of questions about the NIV Bible, about the blood of Jesus. It's not really good about the blood of Jesus. You know, it's, there's some other areas that it's not good, but it's, it's got this word sovereign in it. But even in that, that it does not mean these things that religion, it's never interpreted that way. In the, that's, not, that's not how it's used. So, so you couldn't even draw these conclusions if you had an NIV Bible that uses sovereign, uh, sovereign uh, 300, 303 times. In fact, let's go to Genesis 15.8. 
and this is one of the places in the NIV that uses the word sovereign. When the NIV uses the word sovereign, it's always substituted for the words Lord God. So when you see in the Old Testament, in the King James, you see Lord God, then in the NIV it'll be translated Sovereign Lord. And so it's really... It's not used in the way this religion has made it. And in, in Genesis 15, 8 is the first scripture in the NIV where it's used that way. And he said, Lord God, whereby shall I know that I shall inherit it? In the uh, NIV it says, and he said, Sovereign Lord, where shall I know that I shall inherit it? And so uh, you can get this though in your mind stuck uh, because probably maybe because of that Bible, you might could get it in your mind stuck that God is sovereign. <clears throat> but um, I have also noticed I have read a, a little Christian fiction. How many of you've read a little Christian fiction, or or maybe you know? Well, one thing is I got as I read some Christian fiction, I noticed that Christian fiction was saturated with the sovereignty of God teaching. In, in, did you notice that? In the Christian fiction, you will hear them, they will, or you will read what they say. Okay? And you know, when, and reading is so powerful. And so we have to be really, I think we have to be even more careful what we read sometimes than what we watch. It's very, it really penetrates our hearts what we read. The Word of God really penetrates us. And you know, we want to be careful what we let come in our eye gates. But I noticed as I was reading this and that it, um, that it was always God's in control, was all permeated throughout it. And, and especially one author, I wish I could think of her, I think it's Kingsbury. I don't, one of those Christian fiction, she's very popular, she's written a lot of books, and uh, she has blonde hair. She always talks about we need to beg God. She says it over and over throughout her books. Now, we just need to pray. We need to beg God in this. That is so religious, so religion. Uh, and uh, <clears throat> so it's really easy to see how the church could, has gotten really permeated with this teaching. Uh, <clears throat> God is sovereign. I believe God's sovereign. Pastor believes God's sovereign. He is sovereign over all the universe. But in our day-to-day -day lives, He is not sovereign. And I'm going to talk to you about why. God is so sovereign and he that he in his sovereignty he chose to establish a system by which all things would work he decided he decided independently he didn't ask anybody if he could do it that way and he didn't consult anybody either because he's sovereign he could have set up the world system to work any way he wanted to but he was sovereign, so he set it up to work the way he wanted it to. And he chose a system. And, and he said all things are going to work by this system. And that system included laws of nature. God set up all the laws of nature. He set up gravity. And it doesn't matter what you or I think. Gravity works. And it's a, it's a law of God. It's a law of nature. 
We don't often think about it being a law of God. Uh, he set up all the laws of physics. If you take, took physics, and I don't remember any of them because I, I was just believing to get out of there. Hallelujah. Science was not my thing, I can tell you. Hallelujah. And so I don't remember any of the laws of physics, but I know there are some. And there are some of those. And he set up all the laws of mag mathematics. He set them up. He said, that's the way it's going to be. And so that's the way it is. Hallelujah. And um, he set up um, he, the laws of nature, another law of nature, seed time and harvest. He set, it, he set up the laws of nature that it would work by that law. He set up day and night, cold and heat, the seasons. He set up all of those things. He set up the laws of weather. You know, God is not up in heaven saying, I'm sending rain to Coker today. And I'm not sending it. Boy, I tell you, none of that Taylorville ain't getting nothing. And boy, I am going to hail Buell completely out. I'm going to beat them to the ground with hail in Buell. No, he, or, and, and boy, I tell you, them straight line winds, I'm going to, whoo, hallelujah. We not, if I'd have thought God had done it, I'd have been mad. See, we didn't even have electricity at the church. All day Monday, all night Monday night, we prayed in the dark Monday night, back in the back with the door open, and then we didn't have till 10 o'clock Tuesday morning. And we were getting a little testy around here. Hallelujah. Uh, by 10 o'clock Tuesday morning, we were calling Alabama Power. And, uh, <laughs> and they said it would be ready by 10. And so we were like, and pastor called like at 10 o'clock, and they said, no, it'll be midnight. And about that time, it just all came on. Hallelujah. So I was glad that lady wasn't right. Anyway, he, God set up these laws of weather, highs and lows and wind currents and air streams. And, you know, I'm not a meteorologist, but I hear them referring to them. And he set that all up. And then sometimes the devil gets into it and, and causes destruction in those laws. But really, most of it just has to do with what's coming together at the wrong time or the right time or the, you know, hallelujah. And there's other things that uh, sometimes can get into uh, the weather, uh, like uh, uh, prayer can affect the weather. We know that. Uh, and we'll talk more about that later. But, uh, and then judgments can affect the weather. There's things in the Bible that says um, different, you know, different things about that. But anyway, there's laws that have been set up. There's systems of biology and reproduction, and God set all that up. And it's not, it's, it's how God set it up. And you know, sometimes people just think that God is going to suspend those laws. Like I've heard people say, I'm just believing I won't get pregnant. I've had people come to me and count, I'm believing I won't. Well, God said, you know, and I'm just believing God won't let that happen. Well, you have to do a lot more than believing because God set up the whole system and He just said it works this way and He doesn't suspend that. He doesn't, you know, He doesn't say, and so unless you have something wrong and physically wrong in your body, it is going to work that way. Hallelujah. And so it's important to understand those things. It's amazing how many even Christians think God is just up there playing heavenly bingo in those things. But no, He set up laws. Hallelujah. And you know, sometimes if we just look out at the animal kingdom, we could figure that out. You know? Uh, hallelujah. 
Sometimes you just have, do you know sometimes it's like Christians who are supernaturally ignorant? Do you know what supernaturally ignorant is? It's when the devil is helping you be that ignorant. I mean, in other words, there's some deception in there. You know, um, okay. And so then God has set up all sorts of spiritual laws too. He didn't leave that out. Spiritual laws that govern men and laws that govern angels and laws that govern demons. Hallelujah. And in those spiritual laws is also the law of seed time and harvest. We also know the law of faith is a spiritual law. And then there's the moral laws that God set up, the Ten Commandments. And there's laws that regulate and govern sin. Hallelujah. So God's not just up there uh, deciding, you know, I'm just tired of this today. And so... Kawaki, you know, I'm going to give you the Kawaki. Hallelujah. No, no, he's not. He, 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 he always works within, uh, within uh, his system and he always works according to his system and he always works according in his system. He wrote that system in his word and the system is available for all that will discover it, but it does have to be discovered. You know, do y'all remember in Proverbs 4.20, it says, uh, where it talks about, um, attend to my words, incline thine ear unto my sayings, let them not depart from thy sight, keep them in the midst of thy heart, for they are life to those that find them. I mean, it's, it's, it's more than just, they're life to everybody that sees them. No, you, you find them. You discover them. It's, it's, it's more than that. And you know, I've noticed it would have been so much simpler if you got, if you just opened to Genesis 1 and he said, okay, here's the laws and this is how it works. And this is how I'm setting it up. Here's my system. But he didn't do that. He scattered it throughout the whole word. We have to search. We have to discover. We have to find the different parts, the pieces of the puzzle to know how the systems of God work. And sometimes people that have just, they don't know, you know, like Brother Copeland used to say, they just know enough to make them dangerous spiritually. And, you know, so they know one scripture and mother and, you know, and they don't, they don't have the whole counsel of the word of God. And, uh, you know, we're all gaining more of that where we have the whole council. But I know, I remember a time in my life when I just, I was saved, but I knew I didn't have all the pieces put together. I was about half confused and I knew it. You know what I'm saying? But I just know that little by little as I pressed on, the Bible says in James, as you just keep on looking into the perfect law of liberty, and as we just keep on looking in it and discovering things and finding this part and that part, that some of it started to try to started to come together one day. But it took some time and it took some searching and it took some want to. Hallelujah. Wanting to know. And God, I believe God hit God doesn't want people with wrong motives, wrong attitudes, wrong hearts. Even unbelievers to just open to Genesis 1 and say, oh, that's how that works, and da-da-da. No, He hid it for the believing ones. He hid it for us, not from us. He doesn't want His Word abused. He, and, but He does want us to know. And He said, you know, uh, the, the, there's a scripture in, I think it's Deuteronomy, it says, the secret things belong to the Lord, but those things that are revealed, they belong to us. And so there's lots of it that's revealed. And just because you read through your Bible one time doesn't mean you know everything. Because I am finding stuff all the time, and I know everybody in here is. I never saw that before. 
I never understood that before. And there are scriptures that I have searched and looked at for years and read and just like, God, I don't get this. What does it mean? It seems like it's contradictory. And then if you, but if you keep on looking into the perfect law of liberty, one day it's just like, oh, I know. And sometimes you have to know one thing before you can know another thing. You know what I'm saying? Like a lot of stuff, when I learned about spirit, soul, and body, a whole lot of things that I didn't understand in the Bible came together for me. And that's why things like Bible college and stuff are important because they help you get caught up faster. Because you hear all, you you get a lot stuff you get a lot crammed in and you can catch up on these things faster. And when I learned spirit, soul, and body, there were scriptures, especially in First John, that I was just like, I was like, I don't get it. Because boy, in three verses apart, it seems like you contradict yourself, Lord. But you know, so so things start to. Sometimes you have to know one thing in order to know another thing. Hallelujah. Okay, so we're moving on now. Um, so God in His sovereignty, He He decided all of these systems, this system of how it would work, and the systems of man and biology and all of that, and the systems of spiritual life. And He wrote that system in His Word for those that would discover it. And God Himself chooses to operate by that system. Now, he could have chose not to, but he said, no, I'm going to bind myself to my word. And I'm going to operate by this system, and I will not break my word. I will not break my word. I will operate. And people all every day pray prayers asking God to break his word. And he never will. Make, dear Lord, make me the exception. That's really what they're saying sometimes. Is I, you know, like for instance, on tithing, people that won't tithe are saying, I believe I'm going to be the exception. I'm going to be a committed Christian and I'm going to serve you, God, but I'm not going to tithe and I don't believe that it'll cost me anything. And I don't believe, and people that go out and sin sometimes are saying, I'm going to be the exception. See, there's another law. I didn't even talk about this. One of the laws God set up is the wages of sin is death. And did you know what? That is irrevocable law. And did you know it is always true? You cannot sin without coming into death. Or, and I'm not talking about dying and going to hell. I'm talking about it's going to cost you something. Every time. Every time we sin, it costs us. It's, it's a setback, and sometimes it's a big setback. Sometimes it's a life-changing setback. Hallelujah. And so, um, so God chose to operate by the system that He put in His Word, and He chose to limit Himself to that system. And so when we say God is not sovereign in the earth, it's because He said, okay, I'm going to limit myself by my Word, and he, uh, and we'll get to that later. How he, he, how he chose to do that, but he has actually limited himself in the earth because he said, "I'm going to only operate by this." Okay, so can you see that he's bound himself to that system? But the when we when when you misapply the sovereignty of God, so so God is sovereign is true if you understand what we mean what the word means by that and it's not in the word but if you understand the principle of it it is true god is sovereign but if you misapply it then it becomes an it's not true do you see what i'm saying so somebody could say god is sovereign 
And according to how they meant it, it could be true. But if they meant it another way, it would be totally untrue. Amen? And so, so, so sometimes there's some confusion over that. You know, uh, the God is sovereign teaching says you can't tell what God is going to do. That's real prevalent in religion. Remember, the, there's, a, there's a poem that actually says that. And people quote this poem all the time. Actually, they just quote one line of it. It says, God works in mysterious ways, His wonders to perform. How many ever heard that saying? That is so untrue. He doesn't work in mysterious ways. He works just according to what He said He'd work in this Word. He's not mysterious. He's mysterious to you if you never read it. Yeah, it's a, it's a big mystery if you never read it. Or sometimes it's like... It's a mystery to us just because we don't understand it and we got to dig a little deeper. You know, we got to say, oh, why is that happening? I'm going to find out because I know it's in here. Amen. Hallelujah. Turn to 2 Peter 3 9. I'm going to show you some places in Scripture that prove that God is not sovereign. I remember one, I remember this story Brother Hagen told about how he was preaching one day in a church traveling you know and he said uh, God can't just do anything he wants to and a man stood up and said he can too God can do anything he wants to and 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 brother Hagin said he said he didn't even think it just came out of his mouth he said no he can't or he'd make you pay your tithes and that man sat down because and he brother Hagin didn't know him he had never been in that church before and by the Holy Ghost he nailed him Hallelujah. Oh, I just love it when the Holy Ghost nails them. Hallelujah. And he said, no, he can't or he'd make you pay your tithes. He said, that guy clammed up, never said another word. So we know if God was sovereign, that he would make every man on earth get saved. Because, look at, uh, are y'all there? Second Peter 3, 9, I'm not. Yeah, I am. Uh, the Lord is not slack concerning his promise, as some men count slackness, but is long-suffering to usward, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. Not willing that any people should go to hell. It is his will for every person to go to heaven. But he can't be sovereign in the earth or he would, it's my will, bless God, you're going. But he, that's not how it works, is it? Hallelujah. And so that goes right along with just exactly what Brother Hagin said about tithing. Matthew, uh, well, we won't turn there, but he, said, he says there he's not willing that any should perish. But we know people perish every day. In fact, Matthew 7, 13 says that the way is narrow that leads to life. And the way is broad that leads to destruction. You know, that scripture tells us that there's a lot more people perishing and going to hell than there are going to heaven. And it's God's, God's will is not happening in the earth. And it's not even God's fault. It's all up to us. Because how can they hear without a preacher? And how can they believe unless they've heard? That's what Romans says. And so when people go and die and go to hell and they've never heard the gospel, it's, it's not because God didn't do His part. It's because... Man didn't go ye into all the world, and we just didn't get to that part yet, or that person yet, and hallelujah. But you know, we're, we're, we're closing the gap on that. We are really closing the gap. Hallelujah. And God's helping us. Thank you, Jesus. He's not willing that any should perish. First John 2, 2. 
You're right there. And He is the propitiation for our sins and not for ours only, but also for the sins of the whole world. See there again, He's, he, he is the propitiation. He, he paid the price for sin for the whole world. So it's not His will that anybody ever go to hell. He paid the price for abundant life for the whole world. He wants everybody to be leading the abundant life. So he's not, he's not happy. I mean, he's not getting kicks out of people that are having a struggle or having a hard time. First uh, Timothy 4.10, still on this same thought. First Timothy 4.10, For therefore we both labor and suffer reproach because we trust in the living God who is the Savior of all men, especially or specifically of those that believe. He's the Savior of all men. He's already paid the price that to be the Savior for all men. And so God's will is not being done. And if He was really sovereign in the earth, don't you think He would get His will done? He would cause it to happen. He would cause it to be accomplished. God, people choose hell, but God doesn't choose it for them. God, God gave man free will. It's a part of that operating system He set up. He didn't want puppets for children. He wanted people that chose him out of love. And so he, he set it up that man would have free will. And it's up to people to climb over the roadblocks to hell. You know, brother Pastor Avery always talks about the roadblocks to hell. And God's throwing roadblocks in the paths of people so that they don't go to hell. He woos every person. Every person on earth gets wooed. He woos them, and but we have to cooperate. We have to cooperate. In Jeremiah 29, 11, this is a very familiar scripture to you. We won't take time to turn there, but it says, I know the plans that I have for you to give you a future and a hope. But you know, we have to choose the plan. Just because God has a plan doesn't mean His plan is happening. Uh, we have to choose. It's up to us. Uh, in Deuteronomy 30, 19, Talking about the sovereignty of God. I call heaven and earth to record this day against you, that I have set before you life and death, blessing and cursing. Therefore, choose life, that both thou and thy seed may live. So we have to choose. He's got a plan, but we have to choose life. We have to choose to respond. And it says there that thou and thy seed may live. So whether we have the goodness of God in our life and whether our children have it, our seed, it, it really, really, really affects them. And it not only affects your children, but for seven generations, God blesses the righteous. And God is always looking uh, your prayers are so powerful because your prayers are going to go forth in your family for seven generations. So sometimes when you're praying about something and you don't know what you're praying for, and God's always trying to get us to... He, sometimes we'll see a vision of something or have a dream, and it's, it's like it's unpleasant. And many times it's a call to prayer. It's not a, uh, it's not a prophecy of what's going to happen. It's the pro sometimes it's a, it's a call to prayer to stop something that's going to happen or that the devil's going to try. And, and, and God will, God, when he, the Bible says he sought for an intercessor, I just, oh, I just kind of get drawn over here into this prayer thing. But when, for instance, the devil sets up a wreck, God starts looking for an intercessor. 
He starts looking for, he starts looking. And when you see a teenager wrapped around a tree, he couldn't find that. He couldn't find anybody standing in the gap. And not even could he not find, he couldn't look back through the generations. He couldn't look back for seven generations and find anybody that had sp prayed or spoken correctly. I'm not saying that they didn't pray at all, but they, you know, so we have to, we have to learn to pray. We don't have a choice. Hallelujah. We have to understand prayer and we have to respond to the promptings of the Holy Ghost because our prayers do make a difference and they make a difference in our children's lives, but they make a difference in, a, in the future. And uh, I don't believe God goes back further than seven generations. I believe that's why He put that in the Old Testament about the generations. I don't believe He goes back further than that. But I believe He looks and... Because see, God, there's no time in Him. So He can go back and He can find somebody that's spoken thing. Something. Hallelujah. And you know, I believe He can go forward too. You know, it says in Isaiah, isn't it, that it says... Uh, that I answered you before you called? Hallelujah. And I think sometimes God knows the prayer is going to be prayed, and so He, he, he uses that, that prayer. And He's always looking to intervene. It's never His will. It's never, ever, ever His will. So, um, <clears throat> hallelujah. Uh, religion paints a picture, and we're going to close with this, that God is in the driver's seat and we're the passenger. And you know, that's kind of, that's kind of, that, you know, I really kind of like that at first thought. But it's just not Bible. That God's driving and we're just riding along because He ain't driving. And if you don't figure that out pretty quick, the devil will get in that driver's seat and drive your car, your spiritual car for you. And he'll start calling the shots in your life because you're not. Amen? Because the Bible paints a picture of us in the driver's seat of our lives. And God, He's like the GPS. Turn here. Don't go there. Or, or a, you know, you might say a woman driver. <laughs> Hallelujah. Not to insult God or anything. You know, I'm not trying to insult Him. But He's over there in the passenger seat and He's, he's, he's given the directions for our life if we'll listen and if we'll respond. But we do the driving. Hallelujah. Y'all got it? God created us to be dependent on Him. But you know what? God can't do anything without us. We'll see. We'll look at some of that later. He can't do anything without us. We can't do anything without Him either. Hallelujah. But He can't do anything without us. He needs us. He needs our prayers. He needs our words. He needs, he, you've got to give Him something to work with. He needs our seed. That's why God can't, you know, He can help you so far. He can give you a seed to sow, because He said He would. But if you don't sow it, can't do. He's got to have you working with Him, cooperating, listening. Hallelujah. So let's be better listeners. Let's cooperate. Hallelujah. Let's stand up together. Of course, we didn't get all the way through, but, you know, this is probably enough to get some.